are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. Welcome, everybody. This is Sam. Uh, welcome to another episode of PursuitCast. Today, I have a very special guest. Uh, she's uh, an amazing woman of God who I met earlier this year in Japan, and it's my privilege to welcome Sarah Chang. Hey, Sarah, how are you? Hi, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast and, <laughs> and hanging out with us and just sharing with us. Uh, if you can just share a little bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, my name is Sarah Chang. Um, I'm from the New York, New Jersey area. I've been a missionary in Nagoya, Japan for the past three years. I'm home on sabbatical and home assignment currently. Great. Um, like you said, you are a missionary and you've been in Japan the last few years. Uh, if you can share with those who are listening on how um, God called you to the mission field of just your journey of, of becoming a missionary and whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. I know everyone's story is a little different. Um, mine was a long road um, that started when I was about 20 years old in college. And I think the first call into missions began when I heard a seminar called God's Heart for the Nations from Genesis to Revelation. And that was the first time I had heard the Bible presented as just one big story. And the more the seminar went on, the more I just kept seeing God's heart for the nation all throughout. And I just got so excited, so excited and just started to catch the vision of that. I think the second thing was also during that time, I was doing my own personal quiet times in Isaiah and everything in Isaiah about God's glory and God's glory in the nations and the the devastation of the nations that don't know him, that just would get my heart pumping. Mm. Um, From that point on, it was kind of a journey of going to seminary, of um, working as an editor, uh, working inside the church, doing ministry. Finally, at the age of 29 was when I felt God opening up the doors for me to take a next step into going. That's great. Uh, Can you share about how God opened that door for you to go to Japan? Yeah, so all throughout my 20s, um, I just kept sensing in prayer that God was telling me just, you know, wait, and it's not the time, just be faithful at what you're doing now. Um, When I turned 29, it was a kind of different number of factors, a few people telling me I should start pursuing opportunities, specific opportunities. It was my sense in prayer that this was a time to actively pursue. Um, It was reading Genesis in Genesis 12 and God telling Abram to go to a land that he didn't know. I just really felt, okay, this is the time to start pursuing. Um, That was when I started looking more actively into China and Japan, which are two countries that I had known the most about, been praying the most about, reading the most about. At that time, that was about February or March, my mom called me. I was working in San Jose, California as a middle school pastor, and she called me and she said, 
Sarah, there's this missions conference in Thailand, and we have to go. You know, I've been going to early morning prayer, and God told me that there's someone that I need to meet there. And I was like, how can we go to Thailand? It's yeah. so much money, and I'm working, and you know, I can't take that kind of time off. Um, and my parents, it's not like they have a lot of money. My mom runs a small alteration and tailoring business. She called me a week later and she said, we got a huge order at the store. So I'm sending you $3,000. So buy the tickets. Wow. I just thought, okay, so we're going to go. In May, um, in May, we headed toward this conference. And all throughout the conference, I just felt very unqualified for missions. I felt every seminar I went to, I wasn't qualified. I wasn't qualified to do business as mission. I wasn't qualified to do rural church planting. I wasn't qualified to be an English teacher. There were so many, um, yeah, so many things said in the seminars that made me really feel like, is this really the right calling or path for me? Um, the final plenary speaker for that conference is a missionary named Michael O, oh, who had a great impact on my life in my 20s. And he's a missionary in Japan, um, and he also started to lead this international ministry. And um, I don't know, it was, it was that last night of the conference, and I was just sitting with my mom in the back of the room. I was very depressed, thinking, missions is not for me, I'm not qualified. And, you know, I just kind of responded to her in anger. And I was just saying, you know, like, this is just such a waste of time, waste of money to be here. And did you even meet who you're supposed to meet? You mm -hmm. know, and she was quiet. And she said, you know, Sarah, there's still three more hours left in this conference. Wow. And right as she said that, um, this missionary walked over. And it was a missionary that I'd really been impacted by for a long time. I'd been hearing his messages. I'd been on their listserv for their ministry. I'd been throwing around the possibility of trying to get an internship or a serving opportunity there. And he just sat down and asked, you know, how's this conference been? Um, and I just talking about how I felt so unqualified. And the conversation went go kept going. And then he just posed this opportunity to wow. serve in Japan and in this international ministry with my professional background as an editor. So um, my mom said this phrase to me in Korean afterwards. She was like, wow. And what that means is God's already just set the table, you know, aren't you just need to eat. Aren't you going to eat? And mm. I really felt, wow, this is something that God had prepared for me to do. Yeah, that's so encouraging. That sounds like God, where yes. he just waits till the last moment, the last possible moment where you're just discouraged, and he just comes in beyond you know, our wildest imaginations. Yes. So how has it been since um, God opened that door and, and you went to Japan? How has the last few years been for you like while overseas? Um, I think it's been both a time of continuing to see the vision of mission and the vision of the kingdom of God, the vision of the global church and experiencing firsthand just some of that vision becoming reality wow. and how good and how amazing and how wondrous it is. And on the other hand, just as equally or more, it's been about the very, very difficult reality of being on mission mm -hmm. <laughs> in, I think, one of the most challenging places on this planet. For sure. Uh, can you share with those who are listening, I guess, the work 
that you do in Japan or the work you have been doing the last couple of years, like uh, what, what you're doing there, uh, who you're working with, um, and things like that? Um, I was working with a ministry in Nagoya um, for 50% of my time called Christ Bible Institute. Our main ministry there is a seminary for focused on training Japanese Christian leaders um, to hold ministry roles in the church, also training up Japanese Christian lay people to serve in the church and outside, um, particularly with an emphasis on training church planters as well. Um, the first floor of our seminary, we have a cafe called the Heart and Soul Cafe, where we're focused mainly on outreach. So mm. every Friday night, there's a different event to invite the community to. Um, during lunchtime on the weekdays, we have a thing called lun Lunchtime English, where people come and build relationships and mm -hmm. learn English, share lunch together. Um, there's other various ministries attached to those two main ministries. So one thing we're developing is a counseling program to train not only lay people, but also to eventually offer a counseling degree through our seminary. We recently translated a book by Paul Tripp um, in Japanese. And we're also continuing to support our seminarians who've graduated and who are now doing ministry. Yeah, that's great. I know for the cafe when I was there, we did um, a karaoke night yeah, <laughs> as outreach and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, it was really great to see you, um, I guess, hands on and in the thick of things when I was over there. Uh, what would you say are some misconceptions people have about missions and as well as Japan as a whole? I feel like people have their own view of Japan, but what would you say some of, some of the misconceptions? Uh, people usually have about missions as well as the nation you're serving over there? Hmm. I'm not really sure if this is a misconception a lot of people have, um, but maybe it is, so I guess I can mention it. But I think for a lot of people who've gone on short-term trips, they have a very unique experience of mission. So they have a very compact and intense version of mission where every day there's a schedule, every day there's a lot to do, every day um, you're putting yourself out there and just full of different experiences and conversations and um, you're Oftentimes, short-term mission trips can be doing a lot, you know, and feeling like you're there to do something. But I think um, when you're going in as a long-term worker, the work can be, depends on where you are, but often can be quite slow. And when you first go overseas, I think the best posture to take is a learner, to be an observer, to be a listener. So people often go to the mission field thinking, I need to go and just do, do, do. But I think um, I would say for people going on the field first to put the brakes on, to listen, to observe, to watch, to be part of the place that God's put you in, to learn how to live there as a faithful resident of the country, um, to learn how to make local friends, to learn mm. how to be a good neighbor, to learn how to worship God in the new place you're in, and perhaps with new ways of worship that you're not comfortable with or used to. 
um, learning how to speak a new language, learning to pray and worship God in that language. Mm. So I think, um, yeah, rather than maybe starting out as just kind of hit the ground running and just doing, it would be, okay, no, I'm here to learn to be part of this place and see what God is doing. I would say maybe about Japan. Again, I'm not, I'm not really sure if what maybe the most common misconceptions people have about Japan, but I think some of the most immediate images that come to mind are things like, you know, technology and robots and anime and color and just kind of very quirky, creative place. And I think that that is all true. Um, but I would also say that being a Christian in Japan means witnessing um, the difficulties of ministry there, of realizing how slow, how tedious um, that sometimes it can be, and also the importance of the importance of one person at a time. Mm. Yeah, no, that's good. I think as you're sharing, it just reminds me of just in general in any work that we do in any missions work is. We're not going to bring God there, but God is already at work and he's inviting us to join him there. Yes. And I know even from my experience, my short time there, I mean, I just sense the presence of God and his love for the people and the cities and just the whole nation. Every, every time I was just out and about, just walking the streets and interacting with people, I just really sensed God's love there. So I wasn't trying to... Um, bring God to a godless place as much as he was inviting me to partner with him in what he already has. And yes. uh, even in Psalms, it says, ask of the Lord to give you the nations as his inheritance. And, and I think that's the whole idea that Japan or any other nation, it already belongs to the Lord. And he wants to partner with his sons and his daughters mm -hmm. to bring his kingdom in, in a tangible way. Um, what would you say have been some of the challenges uh, the last few years while serving in Japan when you were there? I think the challenges are just so multiple. It ranges everything from individual challenges to systemic challenges. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you see the full range, you know? I mean, there's the individual challenges of just trying to live in another country. Um, and figuring out again just yeah it's almost like starting over you kind of go in a little bit blind deaf and mute you know you don't know how to you can't understand what people are saying so you feel a little deaf you can't read anything so you feel blind and there's all kinds of cultural cues coming at you that you're unaware of. So you mm. feel blind, even culturally, socially, too. Yeah. You feel mute because you can't talk anymore. And for people who, you know, are, we grow up as kind of competent, intelligent people in our own countries, we suddenly find ourselves, for me, in my 30s, realizing, wow, I, I can't, I'm like less than a four-year-old here, mm. you know, like, the pets in Japan can understand more Japanese than yeah. I can. You know, it's kind of starting from that place again. So there's individual challenges, insecurities, um, just adjustments to work through, learning the culture, learning um, how to do daily life. For my teammates who came as families, there's a lot of challenges in just getting your kids adjusted. Mm -hmm. um, 
there are challenges on your team, you know, all kinds of ministry challenges, all kinds of um, you're trying to become friends, you're trying to become teammates, you're trying to do ministry together, you're trying to also do life together, all kinds of challenges and us learning to bear one another's burdens. Um, but what happens when everyone is bearing a lot of burdens? That's mm. can be very difficult. Um, I think also, yeah, individual challenges, team challenges, circumstantial challenges. There's also the spiritual challenges. Um, again, I talked about earlier, just learning how to worship God in a new place. I didn't realize how challenging that is. Um, not only learning how to worship God in a team of strangers that you're learning to become a community with, learning to worship God in a church culture that's unfamiliar to me, learning to worship God in a new language, um, there's spiritual challenges and pushback. I think also the cultural and systemic challenges of the country that we are trying to face and address as Christians, um, family, lifestyle, work lifestyle, um, yeah, social lifestyle, individual kind of struggles and burdens people bear. So there's a whole range. Yeah. It's just scratching the surface. Sure. Um, what would you say then has been the most rewarding as you're facing these challenges? Um, what's been the most rewarding as you're persevering and fighting the good fight over there? Uh, what are some of the things that stand out for you? I think what um, stands out is faith. And I mean, you know, when your faith just gets tested and tested, you feel like it's being refined and refined. It's being scraped over. It's, it's you feel directionless sometimes. You see how much of a treasure faith is. I think when you see it, not only in Japanese people, you see it in your teammates who are fighting for faith every day. And I saw it in myself, how much I needed to fight for faith every day. And without faith in the God of the resurrection, mm -hmm. I don't think I would have made it. Wow. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I know we shared a little bit um, before we got on the podcast of, of your the whole, um, I guess, the circumstance where you need God to come through. Like humanly, it's impossible. And I think as you're sharing, it, it can seem depressing if our hope is in man. But understanding that we have faith in a God, like you said, of God, resurrection, not only does that fuel us personally, but even in hopes for an entire nation, as we've been talking. Um, what are some cool stories you saw while over there. I know when I was there um, joining your local church in Nagoya, I got to meet a lot of different people who came to faith. And I think there was like a baptism the following week, but I was leaving. <laughs> so I didn't get to join in. But but what are some of the cool stories that you get you got to see and be a part of while you were there? I think one thing that's really cool is to hear the testimonies of how God met people in all kinds of circumstances and ways. And I mean, it ranges from, it ranges from, you know, a single Japanese person sitting on a swing set in a park and a random missionary just saying hi. <laughs> and that leading to that young Japanese man becoming a seminarian and now a church wow. planting intern. 
It's amazing. You know, I think about the story of how his wife became a Christian, where she was scammed out of a several thousand dollars the minute she landed in the States. Mm. Um, and having one phone number and that phone number being the phone number of a Christian. And from that, receiving Christ studying the Bible in Japanese for the first time in, in America, mm. and then going back to become a seminarian and wow. now leading ministries in church. I think about the girl who worked at Starbucks and a missionary just going there day after day, week after week, striking up conversations with her. That girl then deciding, hey, maybe I need to learn English a little bit because I've got this American friend now. Mm coming to our cafe, coming to our monthly English nights, then eventually coming to our church, and this going on for years until she finally decides, I'm ready to make that public declaration wow. in front of the world mm -hmm. and to myself that I will follow Christ. Um, I think about her older sister who started just coming to church for a few months and the day of the baptism her weeping openly in front of the church, which is, I think, quite a rare thing for Japanese people to show emotion that readily and thinking, Holy Spirit, are you working in her heart? Mm -hmm. You know, I think about um, the elderly man who retired and moved up to the region of Japan where the tsunami, earthquake, and nuclear disaster happened at 3-11. It was in March 2011. And he was already just retired, had bought a home there to live out the rest of his days in a comfortable life. And, you know, of course, you know, serving people and doing ministry, but that disaster happened. He starts a house church in his home, decides, you know what, I need to spend the rest of my retired years telling people about Christ. Wow. Coming to our seminary in Nagoya, graduating, and now as a local church pastor in his 70s, I believe. You know, there are so many incredible stories of grace mm. and those stories just shine all the more brilliantly because it comes from such a hard, hard place. Yeah. And all of these individual people, their stories of suffering and pain and the journey it took to make that public decoration is very, very real. Um, and so there are just so many stories like that. No. And each individual's life really shines. Their faith really shines through. Yeah, that's it's so powerful just to hear you share these stories because I think it just goes to show that it is hard work. And if we're thinking about it as harvest, you know, no one gets a harvest overnight. But it's it's long, it's tedious, like you said, it's difficult, but there is indeed a harvest that is happening and, and a greater harvest to come and and just showing that even in a dark place or a hard place, um, the gospel is still powerful. Grace still wins. God is still moving in these stores. And I think that just gives so much hope, you know, as you're sharing and I'm listening. Um, what are some of the hopes that you have for Japan and, or even the city that you've been serving the last few years? What are some of your hopes for uh, the nation mm -hmm. of Japan? Yeah, I guess I can speak first just about my city um, that I've been in. You know, there are a lot of days when I would just walk on the street and feel utterly hopeless. I would just feel so spiritually burdened because I felt very helpless. Like, 
there are so many people who don't know about Christ and what can I do about it? I've really felt like I can't do anything. And um, in my lowest moments, I felt like, what is the point of, you know, what is the point of this mission? Mm -hmm. Like, how can it ever be done? And my prayers just became so tired. And um, I think since that point, what I've been praying for this year while I've been in America on sabbatical and home assignment has been praying, God, would you do more in my city in the year that I'm not physically there mm -hmm. than when I was physically there, just because I'm praying, praying with hope. You know, yeah. I think that's the difference. So what I've been trying to do, and I, I miss some nights here and there, but every evening in the U.S. is morning in Nagoya. So I just pray for spiritual conversations and encounters with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I just pray with faith, you know, with whatever number God gives me. And oftentimes the number is like, God, I pray for five spiritual conversations. Mm. You know, I pray for five spiritual conversations in Nagoya today that mention your name. And I pray for two of those conversations where people turn their hearts to you. Wow. You know, and so I think by doing that daily and really, really like praying with faith, knowing that God hears my prayer and that I believe he is working in my city on that day. Mm. Um, I think that's given me a lot of hope. And it's also been correcting my vision to not look at, you know, the missional state of <laughs> Nagoya or Japan with just helplessness and hopelessness, but to stir up hope as I pray. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the impact of one person, one story, yeah. you know, and realizing that, yeah, Sarah, you know, these grand revivals, they start with one person, one story at a time, you know. Um, I think also the passages that have been giving me the most hope are when Jesus compares like the kingdom of heaven to that mustard seed. It's like the smallest of all seeds in the garden yeah. and it plants um, when it gets planted and it grows and it becomes into this tree where the birds of the air are able to take nests and that the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman kneaded into the dough. And, you know, that dough made the, uh, the, the yeast made the dough rise and yeast is just like powder, you mm -hmm. know, it's a seed is a tiny little thing, but it's growing, it's happening slowly, you know, and maybe, you know, we, if we just keep our eyes on it, we don't know maybe that the bread is rising, but yeah. when we step back and we come back, we realize that it has. Mm, and I, I think that's the hope that I have for Japan as well, um, are those parables. And yeah, um, those are the things these days that I'm holding on to. That's great. I think, like you've been saying, it's God moving in unseen places, mm -hmm. you know, preparing people for years for that moment or bringing them to this conversation or this right place, right time on a swing set or whatever it looks mm -hmm. like. And and God is definitely moving in unseen places in Japan. I mean, I, I feel like that is so true based on my short time there. Uh, you mentioned um, about revival, how it begins with one person, one yes, one heart. Uh, how would you personally define revival? And what do you think revival in Japan would look like? Wow, that's a big question. Hmm. 
um, this may be a little bit of a tangent off. I don't know how well this will answer the question, but um, one passage that God started to speak to me about in August was in Revelation 22. And it was about, um, you know, that's the stream in the New Jerusalem that's flowing from the throne of God and how there's a tree of life planted on either side of the stream, bearing its fruit, you know, each month, and that the leaves of the tree of life were for the healing of the nations. Mm. And I believe that from my personal experience, what I've seen and what I've experienced myself personally is that there is a great need for Jesus as healer in a lot of the people around me. Um, I think that... I pray that revival will start in that way. Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, Japan is a very physically comfortable, safe, clean place to live. And it's cleaner than most places I've ever lived in. I feel safer there. Um, and so people are physically, physically well off. And so maybe people don't think that Japan is an obvious mission field based on the physical conditions and how mm -hmm. rich the nation is. But there is a lot of hidden and unspoken emotional and mental distress and suffering that happens all across the country, I think. And I think people learn to hide it in their hearts very deeply um, in this safe place that, in a safe private place. But I think what we need to see in revival is for Christ to come and touch that hurting place of suffering. Mm. It's very hidden and deep and very personal. I believe that revival is going to come through a multifaceted healing, uh, salvation in the mind from mental distress. Mm. Um, I believe that it's going to come through emotional healing and emotional revival from issues like loneliness, depression, anxieties, fears, insecurities, comparisons. I believe that it's going to come in um, societal healing, you know, the development of true friendships, true communities. Mm. And I believe, again, through societal healing in church communities and families, a revival needs to happen on all of those levels, physical, emotional, mental, societal, and of course, spiritual. For God to fill that place of longing and the space that he's given in each of us for worship, not with a romantic relationship, not with a successful career, not with a checklist, but with Christ. Mm. And as each person experiences the all-encompassing healing and reviving resurrection power of Jesus, then those individuals together will produce revival and healing in communities and cities. Amen. Yeah, I, I really believe with all my heart that brokenness is the precursor to revival. When people are able to come broken and honest, where God comes and meets us as we are. And, and as you're sharing, I, I really believe that uh, for Japan and the cities of Japan, that a fresh revelation of God as Father would be released over that nation. And I really feel like um, intimacy 
will bring a lot of healing to you to know and be known as they truly are and not what they hide behind or what's expected of them as a Japanese man or a woman and, and how to behave, but to really be known for who they are and to allow their hearts to come alive in that context of intimacy and God as Father. Um, you know, how can people who are listening pray for Japan? How can people partner in prayer for this nation? Uh, what, what are some areas that they could join in praying uh, to see God move in that way? Mm -hmm. uh, one big prayer that's been on my heart these days for Japan is for God's Sabbath rest. Um, I think a lot of people in Japan live very, very busy lives. Um, I'm not sure how it's like in the countryside, but a lot of times in the cities, it almost feels nonstop, mm -hmm. sometimes even frantic, a frantic pace. But I believe that Christians all across Japan need to show um, the Japanese people there what it means to live and rest in God's Sabbath how to find rest and restoration in him daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, lifelong, mm -hmm. um, and to model and demonstrate that for Japanese people who may be very, very weary and yeah. needing that kind of Sabbath rest. Um, so I would say, I would ask, invite people to pray with me about God bringing more Sabbath rest into mm. Japan. Um, his pace of life and living and of work. Um, another thing I would ask people to continue praying with me about is for Japan to receive the tree of life, which has leaves of healing for the nations, mm. that more and more Japanese would receive these leaves of the tree of life and yeah. be healed. Um, I think... I would also ask them to pray that Jesus would show up as the Lord of the Sabbath. Yeah. You know, that on this day of rest, Jesus freed people from all kinds of sicknesses and oppression. He spoke truth that broke people from mental bondage. You know, mm -hmm. he, he broke people from physical bondage, from spiritual and emotional bondage. And for Jesus to show up as this Lord of the Sabbath for yeah. people. Um, I would invite people to pray that they would experience Jesus as the God of the resurrection. Mm. Because so many people I've seen go around very, very tired, very exhausted, feeling empty, feeling just nothing, numb, you know, just going about their daily routine with just enough energy to get through the next day. Mm -hmm. And I would say for all of the people who are feeling like their minds, their hearts, their bodies, their souls are feeling dead, that there is a God of resurrection who can bring them to life yeah. and to that abundant and full life that Christ promises. Yeah. Um, I think those are some of the major prayer requests I have. And um, I would also invite people to join me for those specific numbers of spiritual conversations mm -hmm. and maybe for decisions of faith to be made. Um, maybe God will convict some of the people listening to this podcast um, about a specific city and to pray for a specific number of spiritual conversations mm -hmm. and to pray in faith because I believe God will do that. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, we just talked about this earlier um, not on the podcast, but about how, you know, there's news reports of people literally dying from overworking and 
how there's new laws of of how many hours you're allowed to to work overtime and stuff like that. And I just really feel like a lot of those things are are stealing um, life from Japan, um, stealing true life, true purpose. And as you're sharing, I just was reminded of of God's heart, where Jesus didn't come so that we would believe in Him, but He came to heal us. You know, like He didn't come with an agenda of you have to believe in me. And I feel like in Japan, we're not we're not trying to preach Jesus so that they would believe in Him, but so they could be healed, made whole, receive him uh, in that way because he's so willing. And I just really feel that way um, as you're sharing for Japan of God's willingness and his willing heart that he's coming um, so that they would receive him and allow him to heal them as they are. And and I want to join you in praying in that. Uh, would you lead us in a short prayer even now? Uh, for, even for the people who are listening for Japan. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to share just a little bit about um, the heart that you have given me for Japan and for my city there. Holy Spirit, I just pray that um, you would raise up faithful um, and discerning wise and compassionate intercessors all over the world to stand in the gap for this nation. Father, would you just raise up people um, like Daniel, like Nehemiah, like Moses, like Abraham, like Esther, who will just stand in the gap to pray for Japan. God, I pray that you would just start to lay this on people's hearts, Lord. I pray that um, through these prayers, Lord, that we will experience a spiritual breakthrough, Lord, like no one can ever think or imagine in Japan. I pray, Lord, for more and more intercessors, God, for Japan. And I pray, oh God, that you would continue to work, Lord. We believe that you are working, as Sam said, in these unseen places, Lord. We believe that we will just look back one day and see how much you are doing all across the nation, Lord. So I pray that we would not lose hope and we would continue to intercede in faith for Japan. Thank you again for this opportunity. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, As we close, how can people connect with you, partner with you, um, or even get involved in Japan? You know, as Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So what, what are some ways people can connect with you or, or even the work that you're doing? I guess you can find me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Chang. <laughs> um, I guess that would probably be the best way is through social media. Yeah. Okay, so we'll have a link uh, for you guys if you want to connect with her <laughs> that way. Um, and what about the work that you're doing? How can people partner or? Um, well, you know, there are a whole bunch of kind of website links I can give, and maybe we could provide that yeah. online for people to access, um, ranging from different resources and ministries that are working in Japan. So. Yeah. So I know uh, when I was there, I met a few people who are teaching English there, um, and they were serving through that context. So. Uh, if you're interested in any way or feel called or convicted, um, we'll have all the links available 
and that you would obey the Lord's prompting. So thank you, Sarah, for sharing your heart with us, sharing your experiences, and just even your heart and your hope for Japan. We, we believe with you, and we're believing uh, for greater things to be done. And for all of you tuning in, thank you once again for checking us out. Stay tuned for another episode in the near future. God bless. Thank you for listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.